0: It's marketed as a board game, but it has also delivered unexpected and surprising results that the players believe couldn't have possibly been done on their own. A bit of the unexpected, a bit of supernatural, a bit of danger. From these humble beginnings, from a desire to connect to other worlds and reconnect those who have passed, comes a simple tool to make it all possible. Or so it seems. Welcome. My name is Elizabeth Bougere and I'm that person that, when studying the many facets of history, likes to peek behind the curtain, investigate the hidden passages, drop into the rabbit hole, or dare to walk in the shadows because we all know that's where the good stories can be found. Take a listen then to discover what dark or peculiar pieces of American history can be found this week from my bag of bones. The origin story of the Ouija board is exactly what you would hope it to be. The actual game board came into existence at the early stages of the spiritualism movement. This was a window of time when people were willing to experiment with the idea that once you died, there was still a chance that your spirit or soul would be able to communicate. But more on that later. The good news, the Ouija board or communicating device, had humble origins. It let you speak to dead people right out of the gate if you happened to have some paper, a glass, and a couple co-conspirators. They used alphabet cards, sat on the floor, wine glasses, water glasses, or in the case of one desperate communicator, a piece of broken glass. And then, a planchette was created and sold. It was a triangular board with tiny wheels underneath so that it could move freely. And it had a place to attach a pencil so the spirits could write messages they wanted to communicate. Kirby and company began to manufacture the rolling board. Actually, the word planchette literally means small board. But the actual board game that we are used to seeing today came along something like this. So imagine an older hotel or boarding house with two gentlemen living across the hall from one another. An immigrant named E.C was an undertaker. He started with building coffins, and it grew to take on to the whole funeral business. And then there was Charles Kennard, who was, um, let's call him a salesperson. Charlatan seems a little weighty. I mean, we just met the man. I can imagine them talking about events in the newspaper as they commune in the lobby and take their coffee. They read about the amazing Fox sisters who have been taking the nation by storm with their performances and seances. They seem to be able to communicate with the dead and can do it in front of a few people or hundreds in their audiences. Eventually, the spirits agree to speak to them in a series of knocking, using knocks for letters of the alphabet or answering questions. But, wow, that could take a long time to spell out a message. Hmm. If only there was a faster way. It's 1886, and let's imagine their newspaper stories about the talking board get them excited. The brand new Associated Press reported on a new phenomenon taking over the spiritualists' camp in Ohio. It talked about a board with letters and numbers and a planchette device to point to them. Kennard thinks he can smell money, and Ricci thinks he might be able to make such a thing and he does he creates a few different prototypes kennard continues on his way doing his sales gigs but along the way drops hints about this new board he's created he happens to come across a local attorney who just happened to have a sister-in-law who just happened to believe that she was a medium who just happened to be interested in backing just such a device Before you know it, Charles had forgotten about his neighbor and the Kennard Novelty Company was created. The sister-in-law, interestingly enough, Helen Peters, named the board Ouija by asking it. The letters were spelled out in that order and the spirits told her that it was an ancient Egyptian word meaning good luck. As near as I could find, the actual story to the Ouija board getting its patent was true. In order to get a patent, they had to prove that the board could do what they said it could do. So they brought in Helen Peters and sat down with the chief patent officer. He wanted a demonstration. He offered that if the board could spell out his name, which he swears he didn't tell anyone in the room what it was, he would allow the patent to be approved. You know the drill. They all sat around and placed their fingers on the planchette. They waited as Helen did the communing. The planchette faithfully spelled out the patent officer's name. Was it the spirits? Did he forget he was wearing a name tag? Or did the lawyer that came along do his homework prior to showing up at the patent office? We will never know. But on February tenth, 1891, a patent was awarded for the Kennard Novelty Company for its new quote-unquote toy or game. So already we have a story of sinister beginnings, and we know that Kennard has no problems of doing whatever it takes to get the cash. He eventually sold the board and the business to William and Isaac Fold, as the story goes, for only a dollar. He was done, ready to move on with other things. William Fold was actually working for the company and was a stockholder. William Fold finessed the business in the late 1890s cashing in on the spiritualist movement to the tune of 2,000 Ouija boards per week. Greed overtook the Fold brothers who would eventually feud and Brother Isaac would be kicked out of the company. Rumors had it that because of the business decisions, the two families would not speak for over 96 years. But for those of you who lean towards revenge for greed, then hang on. Because... Apparently, William was told by the Ouija board to build another factory on Harford Avenue. It told him, quote, prepare for big business, end quote. One afternoon, he happened to be overseeing the simple task of hanging a flag when the iron railing he was leaning on gave away and he fell off the roof. His heart was punctured by a broken rib. Over 40 years later, in 1967, the Folds family would finally sell the Ouija board to Parker Brothers, and Parker Brothers really ramped up to production, selling over 2 million boards in its first year. By the 1970s, the Ouija board gets the reputation it has today. This is the time when the messenger from the board is first questioned. Who are we really speaking with here? And When it is questioned, it turns out, the Ouija board just might not be the family fun game that it was advertised to be. Sylvia Plath and her husband, Ted Hughes, dabbled in the world of astronomy and the supernatural, and Plath would use the Ouija board on a regular basis, calling it, quote, magnificent fun. Apparently, the two would consult the board on many things, including her poetry subjects, She would end up writing two poems dedicated to the Ouija board. They began to consult the board for almost everything, including getting numbers for a horse race to even what to name their children. Eventually, darkness overtook Plath. She attempted several times to commit suicide, and finally on February eleventh, 1963, she succeeded. Her son would also end up taking his life. I'm just putting that out there. And then, when Hollywood released the based-on-a-true-story movie about a child who used the Ouija board and is eventually taken possession of by the demon she was chatting with, the Ouija board becomes to mean something a little different. Do you know which movie? It's The Exorcist, in 1973, putting Linda Blair in the spotlight, and the Ouija board on everyone's demon-summoning wish list. Since its beginnings, the Ouija board has taken on a life of its own and is still just as popular today, on the big screen and at home. Parker Brothers, and later Hasbro in 1991, still sells hundreds of thousands of them every year. And yes, there's even an app for that. There have been more than 20 movies and dozens of small-screen appearances from the Spirit Talker. These days, with all the Ghost Hunter-type shows, the Ouija board is regularly seen among their tools of trade. So, who decided that it was a great idea to reach into the great beyond and attempt to have a conversation with whoever picks up the phone? Well, for that, we do have to go back again to the 19th century and meet the Fox Sisters. Hey everyone, it's Elizabeth Bougere with Bag of Bones. Can I just be real a second? I live full-time, on the road, in a camper. And because I choose this life, I do need to take extra care when it comes to my safety. I would hate to have to give up my dreams that i worked so hard to reach because I didn't take these few extra steps. And thanks to Damsel and Defense, they made it easy for me to take extra precautions for my own personal safety. I started purchasing in Defense products and I love the way they are made. They're not bulky or hard to use, and they really have my safety in mind. They didn't break the bank either. And bonus, they come in all kinds of colors, styles, and even some sparkle. Thanks to them, I am free to roam about this great country and feel safe knowing that I have some sort of safety device within arm's reach or on my person. If you do not have at least one method of self-protection with you or around you, I urge you to check out our exclusive page, www.mydamselpro.net forward slash bones, and take responsibility for your safety so you can enjoy life. I am proud to have them in the Bag of Bones family, and you'll love them too. Check out our exclusive link at www.mydamselpro.net forward slash bones. That's www.mydamselpro.net forward slash owns. The human population have been trying to communicate with those who have passed through the heavenly veil since there have been people who died. Grief is so heavy, and oftentimes there are so many unanswered questions. Or sometimes, it's as simple as loneliness. Many Native American tribes believe that once your soul leaves your human body, you become a spirit that can hover about in a spiritual form, or some believe you take the form of a member of the animal kingdom. From either, you can continue to aid your loved ones on their earthly journey. The Egyptians had a bust that was carved of sacred material, and they were adorned in short wigs and wore the colors of royalty and authority. These busts would allow people to request help with their trials on earth. Not really sure if they waited around to hear a response, or if one would be delivered in another way. It was just more of a one-way kind of thing. Here in America, we just kind of make stuff up as we go along. And I mean that literally. All of the research I dug up on this type of thing give the Fox Sisters all the credit for the beginning of the bamboozling era, and Henry Houdini gets all the credit for putting the kibosh on all of it. I mean, being a magician himself of sorts, he would be the one who could see all of the tricks. So the short story of the Fox Sisters is that They could supposedly talk with the spirits and ask them questions. It started where the spirits, in turn, would respond with a series of knocks. Three times for yes, twice for no, that kind of thing. And then their popularity grew. Many times they were questioned and observed, looking for the slightest methods of inconsistency, and no one could ever prove their methods false. One of the sisters, Kate, even married the man who was determined to prove her fake, but along the way, he fell in love with her. He still believed she was a fraud, but loved her enough to let it go, I guess. The belief that you could reach and speak to loved ones was just the thing people of that era were searching for. You have to remember, at this time, life expectancy was was short. If you lived past 50, you were doing great. And families had so many children, but so few made it to adulthood. Pile on top of that, the Civil War? Too much death, and people were looking for some relief. The Spiritualist Movement took hold. Spiritualists believed that the soul continues to exist after the physical body perishes. Thanks to the Spiritualism Movement and the Fox Sisters, the idea of being able to communicate with those who have passed, not just talking at... But actually receiving comments from the other side. Andrew Jackson Davis was a self proclaimed medium in the way early time, and he predicted spiritualism was going to be a thing. He said, quote, It is a truth that spirits commune with one another while one is in the body and the other in the higher spheres. All the world will hail with delight the ushering in of that era when interiors of men will be opened and the spiritual communication will be established" End quote. Davis believed wholeheartedly in the powers of the Fox sisters and felt that they were sent to make his predictions come to pass He would write in his journal quote, "about daylight this morning a warm breathing passed over my face and i heard a voice tender and strong saying brother the good work has begun behold a living demonstration is born" End quote. This was right about the time the news of the Fox sisters had started to get out. Andrew Jackson David would go on to build a mass movement around this new idea that bucks the foundations of Christianity. Even though the baseline belief in Christianity is that once the physical body dies, the soul is then taken either to heaven or hell, depending if the person had accepted Christ as their savior or not. However, surprisingly enough... The spiritual movement was most accepted by those claiming to be Christians. The lure of being able to pull back the veil and have a hand at their own salvation or even just a glimpse of what might be waiting for us on the other side was more than enough reason to bend their beliefs and question the works of the Bible as the source of knowledge. They wanted answers that the Bible refuses to give them and downright requests that they don't ask. Spiritualists, on the other hand, are of the hold-my-beer side of things. This created a new religion of sorts, a compilation of rules and chosen people that were gifted special abilities to commune with the spirits of the dead and translate to the living. It did get to a point where these gifts could be taught and practiced by anyone who felt they had, quote-unquote, the gift. Seances and dazzling displays of communicating with the spirits became a form of entertainment, a deep and spiritual belief, and, for some, a means of trickery. Groups and societies would pop up across the country and some of the most famous names would participate, some from the realm of science like Marie Curie and Thomas Edison, to actors like Mae West, even the creator of Sherlock Holmes, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. His wife eventually became a medium, apparently not a very good one, and it pretty much destroyed the friendship between he and Harry Houdini. But Conan Doyle fought for the movement for years. Houdini saw right through the charades, and although he can appreciate magic as an art form, becoming one of the very best in the business, he was angered that the mediums were taking advantage of those who were grieving or mourning the loss of a loved one. And thanks to Houdini, making a concentrated effort to debunk any or all who say they could speak to the other side, the trend began to wane. Side note, when Houdini's mother died in 1920, he gave spiritualism a chance. Houdini soon realized that the mediums were frauds, and they were basically stealing money from vulnerable people, so he set out to publicly debunk their claims and expose them for what they were, frauds. Houdini would perform the same tricks the mediums would use in their seances during his live shows trying to show people that they were being ripped off. In fact, Houdini would offer a $10,000 reward to any psychic who could exhibit supernatural phenomena that he could not replicate. Many tried, but no one ever claimed the prize. Hello everyone, it's time for a Bag of Bones sponsor break. And this one highlights Lumi deodorant. But today, we're not talking about their amazing deodorant products. If you didn't know already, Lumi also creates body wash. Makes sense, right? And you'll be happy to know that the same care that goes into the deodorant carries over to the body wash line as well. Lumi's acidified body wash is clinically proven to work three times better than ordinary soap. Lumi has a low pH, making it perfect for sensitive skin, and it eliminates odor in all the places, promoting healthier, softer skin. If you haven't already tried the body wash, consider using the Bag of Bones link in the show notes to give it a try. It has a money-back guarantee and free shipping with any order of $25 or more. Plus, you help support an awesome podcast. Hint, hint. If you know you stink, or you take showers regularly, this product is for you! Give it a try today. Click the link in the show notes. The board you can buy today in any game aisle looks very similar to the one produced in 1891. Oh sure, there may be some subtle differences, like some have glow-in-the-dark letters, but as you can see in the show notes or at ragtagnetwork.com, it's a pretty simple setup. It shows the letters of the alphabet and the numbers from 0 to 9 in an elegant arch, a yes or no choice on either side of the top, and the word goodbye at the bottom center. It's laid flat on a table and the planchette is placed in the middle and allowed to move smoothly wherever it would like on the board. The planchette either has a window in it to indicate the letter of its choice or whatever letter, number, or word it pointed to would be its answer. Whomever is participating rests their fingers around its edges and someone asks it a question out loud, and if the spirits are feeling accommodating, they will supposedly move the planchette. The introduction of the planchette made everyone fall in love with the new spirit-talking system. Feminist scholar Anne Broad would say that the planchette was, quote, Easy to use, required no experience or expertise, and could lead to the discovery or encouragement of mediumship in unsuspecting investigators, end quote. Advertisements for the new game would shout out, quote, never-failing amusement and recreation for all the classes. Ouija, the wonderful talking board, would magically answer questions, quote, about the past, present, and future with marvelous accuracy, end quote. It answers questions revealing the gaps, quote, between the known and unknown, the material and immaterial, end quote. All for the low, low price of a dollar fifty. But that was back in 1891. The rules and promises you can expect from your new Ouija board are kept vague and mysterious. The more you didn't tell people or perhaps alluded to, the more people had to have one for their own. Even Folds patent from 1892 claims it worked through, quote, "the involuntary muscle motion of the hands of the players, or through some other agency end quote, making it the perfect gift for both the sciency person or the spiritualist among you. Many other companies tried and failed to produce their own copy of a talking board, but no one could quite pull it off. In 1919, the Fold Company took on the project and scaled it up to massive production. So, what's the allure of the Ouija board? Many want you to believe that it's just a board that is moved by your subconscious. And equally as many want you to believe that, yes, you can talk to the spirits, and it's Satan's favorite way to communicate. But when you pull back to the 10,000-foot view, there must be something. It's been around for almost 130 years. What if? The answer is both. What if the unassuming heart-shaped piece of plastic does move through the idiometer effect, which is in reference to unconscious muscle movements linked to the subconscious? And what if the voices from the other side are tapping into your subconscious? It has been said that everyone has a dark side. Does the Ouija board give that dark, deep-seated side an opportunity to come forward, or would it depend on the questions you ask your spirit guide, do you suppose? I found a review for the game from Crusader Prime. He gives the board five stars, writing, quote, Excellent for converting atheists to Catholicism. He says, I have been giving away these things to all of my atheist friends with the primary purpose that they will abuse the powers that the Ouija board possesses, sooner or later they always make contact with something, mostly demonic entities. Then, when they feel threatened by all the crazy stuff happening, they will look for help, as they always do. Of the 34 atheists that I have given this game to, 29 have sought attention from Catholic priests. 25 of them are studying to become Catholics, and 2 have been confirmed end quote. We don't have to assume that the spirits are always dark and harmful. According to author Pearl Curran, who lived in St. Louis, Missouri, a spirit who called herself Patience Worth talked to her for years, and Curran patiently wrote down her words, and together they published many books, poems, and stage plays. Not long after, Curran's friend Emily Hutchings also used the Ouija board to contact none other then Mark Twain. She too claims that Twain narrated a book to her through the board, and then she published Jap Heron. The New York Times, September 9th, 1917 says, The Ouija board seems to have come and stay as a competitor for the typewriter in the production of fiction, for this is the third novel in the last few months that has claimed the authorship of some dead and gone being who, unwilling to give up human activities, has appeared to find in the Ouija board a material means of expression. The last story is unequivocal in its claim of origin, for those who are responsible for it appear to be convinced beyond a doubt that no less than a spirit from that of Mark Twain guided their hands as the story was spelled out on the board. Emily Grant Hutchings and Lola V. Hayes are the sponsors of the tale. Mrs. Hayes being the passive recipient whose hands upon the pointer were especially necessary. St. Louis is the scene of the exploit, as it is also of the literary labors of that Ouija board that writes the Patient Worth series. End quote. Can you even imagine having to sit there and wait for the planchette to move from letter to letter enough times to create an entire book? The Literary Digest of October 1916 wrote, quote, Nearly everybody in St. Louis is monkeying with the Ouija boards and talking to dead novelists. The call for the little heart-shaped thing on wheels known as Ouija boards by the elect has sent prices shooting skyward and shipments of them are coming to St. Louis from all over the country. Mark Twain is the latest author said to speak to those on earth by this unearthly means and it is whispered that there is discord among those spooks who are seeking possession of the mental pipelines to the mystic pointers, end quote. While Patience Worth's books were and still are available to purchase and read, Hutchings' books that she claimed was written by Twain was taken to court by Twain's daughter, Clara. The decision was that the book was to be taken out of print. Apparently, the spirit of Twain forgot to clear it with his own publishing house. Now, those examples don't seem to be too very ominous, and we could stop there. But, this is Bag of Bones Podcast. First of all, ghosts can't inherit money, much to the disappointment of Mrs. Helen Dow Beck. When she and her husband Frank were caught up in all the Ouija board craze in 1919, apparently there was one reoccurring spirit by the name of John Gale Forbes. There were in total about six others that would join their Ouija board sessions, and Helen, according to her husband, went a little overboard. She bought a crystal ball to try and see her spirit friends, and even did a little time in the sanitarium. But still, in 1941, when she made her will and would not be dissuaded, the Ouija board told her to leave their money and investments to John Gale Forbes. And when Mrs. Peck died in 1955, her will stated that $1,000 each goes to two of her domestics and the remaining $178,000 will go to this ghost. The nine nieces and nephews, of course, contested the will because ghosts. What's a ghost going to do with money anyway? And in 1933, we have, quote, The lights were low and the room was filled with spooky shadows. We sat at the Ouija board. Mother asked most of the questions. It was like a terrible nightmare watching that pointer move around as though it were some ghost out of the night. Then, it spelled out that I was to kill father. I shrieked. Mother told me that the Ouija board couldn't be denied, that I must go ahead, end quote. That's? what 15-year-old Maddie Turley confessed to the Apache County, Arizona police on November eighteenth, 1933. She waited until her father was finished milking the cows because that's when the board told her to do it so it would look like an accident. When her father was taken to the hospital, she claimed she was trying to shoot a skunk, but her gun misfired. Once he died of his wounds, Maddie would tell the officers that her mother, Dorothea, And the Ouija board told her to do it. She claimed that her Ouija board said that Dorothea was meant to marry a young cowboy and that her father, Ernest, had to go. And since the Ouija board told her to do it, she wouldn't get caught. Maddie was sentenced to six years in a girls' reformatory school. But Dorothea claims to know nothing about her daughter's stories. The court sentenced her to 10 to 25 years in the state penitentiary. Her sentence was eventually overturned after three years. The Supreme Court of Arizona reversed the conviction on the grounds that the trial court refused to allow evidence that Maddie's character would show her history of juvenile detention and very bad behavior. Dorothea was released and the charges against her were dropped. Maddie would never speak to her mother again. February nineteen twenty one, we have another group of ladies who also summoned the wisdom from the Ouija board. Grandmother, daughter, and granddaughter were said to consult and take mountains of notes, typing them out to serve as sermons for them, how they should live and what not. The three women were brought under the microscope when the matriarch Nancy passed away peacefully in her nineties, but her daughter Ruth and her granddaughter, Marion, decided not to tell the authorities about her passing, and then decided to keep her above ground for several weeks. They did dig a grave in their backyard, in which they called the Love Garden. Marion would say, quote, We kept grandmother because we were ordered to do so by direction. Power is one, not two. Um, okay. Um, there was no foul play no poisons, and she most likely died of natural causes. Therefore, there would be no murder trial. But the two women who lived in the house, Ruth and Marion, did have to answer tons of questions, and it was discovered that they were weakened mentally. Dr. William Hickson would say, The thing was obviously brought on by the indulgence in the Ouija board absurdities, Listening to messages from the beyond and making the Ouija board write out things dictated by the alleged spirits eventually broke down the mental clarity of both mother and daughter. End quote. Ruth and Marion were sent to live in psychiatric hospitals. Ruth would claim, quote, I'm not insane, it's the Ouija board's fault. End quote. Even though at the time using the Ouija board was popular activity, I guess the secret was not to let others know about it. Or, as with our next story, you don't have to do what it tells you to. Hey everyone, sorry to interrupt, but do you know that the Ragtag Network has its own merch? You can get merch for your favorite shows such as Bag of Bones, Save Me an Isle Seat, or Total Tomfoolery. Just visit www.ragtagnetwork.com merch now to check things out. Here is a case from 1983 where two couples were told by the Ouija board that not only should they move from their home in Florida in order to join a circus in Virginia, but they were told to rob and kill a man to make it happen. The two girls, Bunny Dixon and Elizabeth Rebecca Town, who were both 16 at the time, would walk along the road and wait for the victim. It happened to be a Vietnamese immigrant. The boyfriends, Daniel Bowen and Anthony Hall, hijacked his car at gunpoint, put him in the trunk, and drove to a wooded area. There, one of the girls would carve a large upside-down cross on his chest with a knife, while the boys shot him with a .22 caliber gun seven times. It didn't take long for the couples to turn on each other and then turn themselves in. The first couple gave themselves up to police two days after the shooting. All four were tried and convicted of murder. In 2001, 53-year-old Carol Sue Elvicker was playing with the spirit board when it sent her a message that she needed to kill her son-in-law because he was evil. Did I mention that the evil man's wife and children were there at the time of the instruction? The details are unclear, but apparently not long after she got her marching orders, she went up to his bedroom and stabbed him in the chest with a butcher knife while he was sleeping, and then tried to kill one of her grandchildren, saying that she was going to grow up to be evil just like her father. (sighs) Somehow, she convinced her daughter and the two grands, one of which she just tried to stab, to get in the car with her. I'm not really sure if they knew there was a man bleeding to death on the second floor or not. She takes off, her car full of her beloved family, and suddenly she decides that they all need to die. So she drove her car into one of those big highway signs. She broke both of her ankles but still attempted to run away into the woods, leaving the rest of her family in the crashed vehicle. She was eventually caught, and the experts all believed she done lost her mind and requested that she be institutionalized for life. Joshua Tucker and Donald Schalchlin were teenagers at the time when, after getting acquainted with the Ouija board, asked if they should become serial killers. The board answered with a quick slide to the written out yes. Then they asked who they should kill first. The board spelled out M. O. M. And they did. Both boys would end up killing Donald's mom and sister. The serial killer crime spree was cut short when they were caught by police. They were both arrested and convicted of murder. I've found many stories from both sides of the planchette. People who have had nothing exciting happen Like, someone wrote that he went to a school where all of the students were suffering from dyslexia, and apparently their spirits suffered likewise because they could make no sense of anything. And then others who have been scarred for life. I found this story about a man who talked about his experience using the spirit board. He said that it produced a girl named Greta, who said she was born in 1904. She claimed that she was a Nazi in World War II, and she confessed to killing lots of people. He says, quote, I am not a Caucasian, and she told me that she didn't like me because I was inferior, and she told me she wanted to kill me, end quote. Lisa B. Medina decided to warn everyone against using the Ouija board. She would write, quote, Don't play when ill. Do not try to throw away. You must burn it. If the board screams and you hear it, You have 36 hours to live, end quote. Well, you have your instructions, I guess. I'll leave it to you if you want to add the Ouija board to your Christmas list. In the meantime, thank you for joining me on this week's episode. If you are in the gift-giving spirit this year and the Bag of Bones podcast happens to be on your gift list... The thing we want most is some love on Apple Podcasts in the form of rating or a review. A couple words, a few stars, five or so, and submit. I would love it more than eggnog. And I do love me some eggnog. So if you happen to love what's happening here, please let others know. And I'd love to hear from you too. I hope you're enjoying the holiday season. I'm Elizabeth Bougere. Until next week then. Bag of Bones is created and hosted by Elizabeth Bougeret, produced by the Ragtag Network and History Revisited, music by Johnny Reed. To learn more about the show, visit elizabethbougeret.com. For more podcasts from the Ragtag Network, visit their website at www.ragtagnetwork.com. Copyrights by Elizabeth Bougeret and DCT Enterprises.